Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Ken Wyrock, Matthew Betts, and Matt Okada. One of us is excited. Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Wyrock, and I'm, I'm in Game of Thrones mood. I don't know about you guys. I know Okada is because he was singing along. And uh, Bats, are, are you a big Game of Thrones fan as well? Oh, yes, sir. I cannot wait for tomorrow. Woo-wee! We got people coming over. I'm very excited. Same. All right. Well, today on the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast, we're going to be talking about our consensus wide receivers. We talked about running backs last time. We'll talk about quarterbacks and tight ends on the next episode. So make sure you keep on listening. Let's go ahead and jump right into the news today. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. And, you know, and even before we get to the news, I wanted to throw a little shout out to some of our writers recently. They put putting out some awesome content, some articles up on redshirtsfantasyfootball.com. Uh, the most recent articles that we've seen come out here are the ideal rookie wide receiver landing spots by Zach DeWitt and then the dynasty sleeper profile for Miles Gaskin by Alex Fan. So a couple of good pieces there. Make sure you go check those out. Those guys are working really hard over there on those articles, and uh, we're keeping new ones coming out all the time. So really awesome stuff. Moving over to the news, uh, up first, let's talk about a couple of extensions for wide receivers. Uh, very topical for today's show. First, the Vikings signed wide receiver Adam Thielen to a four-year, $64 million extension. I believe they had a max value of like 75 or something, somewhere in that range. Uh, so pretty good. Pretty good payday for Mr. Thielen. How do you guys feel about this one? It's certainly deserved um, after his last couple years of excellent production, and he was probably one of the most underpaid receivers in the league since he kind of came out of nowhere. So good for him. Uh, it is less money than his compatriot, Stefan Diggs, got on his contract, which was $72 million. So, ha-ha. I say that because <laughs> I'm a Diggs truther and... I have him ranked higher, but you know. Yeah, Kent, Kent, how do you feel about this as the resident Viking fan? You got to be excited. Yeah, I mean, I feel great. Adam Thielen's a great receiver. Four more years, he's going to be able to put up production like he has been um, to a certain degree. So I'm, I'm very excited for it. A lot of people are questioning the cap hit stuff, and I won't go too deep into it, but I imagine that this money will be starting probably next year uh, and not be affecting this year's cap hit. So I don't think it'll. It'll matter too much on that case, which is, seems to be the number one thing people have, have said in, in a opposition, I guess, to this. So, no, I feel great about it. Um, I don't think that really matters too much for on-field production, so let's just go ahead and move over to the next signing. This is Giants signing wide receiver Sterling Shepard, their new number one receiver, I guess. Um, I don't know, Golden Tate might be that, but he got, he got a four-year, $41 million extension, uh, Sterling Shepard did, so... The Giants have their wide receivers for the foreseeable future. What are your thoughts? Yeah, Kent, they, they don't have a wide receiver one. They had that. <laughs> they let him go. Uh, they have lots of wide receiver twos, though. 
I'll tell you that much. Um, it's good for Sterling Shepard. It's it's exciting for a guy who has been productive, and you know he is what he is. He's never going to be that alpha receiver. He's a rock solid wide receiver too. So if the Giants can get that true wide receiver one to replace Odell Beckham, um, I love Shepard there moving forward in dynasty, especially after they get a new quarterback. Yeah, he. I just pulled it up. He's actually increased his yardage each of his first three seasons from 683 to now 872 last year. So that's a good sign. His touchdowns have not really existed since his rookie season. He had two in 2017 and four in 2018. So he's really going to have to kind of take up the mantle of Odell in catching touchdowns or he's not going to be that relevant for fantasy. Yeah, I don't know if you guys remember, but his rookie season, he was getting so much hype in training camp for looking like he was a a seasoned veteran receiver right out the gates and stuff like that. He was instantly the number two. And, you know, he's had a good progression, but he's certainly uh, hitting more the four-year breakout arc that wide receivers typically do. So this would be a good year for him to kind of prove himself, um, making just over that $10 million mark. It's a good spot to be in, so... Um, I don't know. Maybe we'll see a little more from him this year, but that remains to be seen. Up next, we could talk about Leonard Fournette getting arrested. Now, from my understanding, this was a traffic violation, but I saw something about there being possibly two, uh, not warrants. Uh, what's the right word here? Charges, I guess. I'm not sure. Does anyone have any more information on this? Uh, I think the main thing is that like he didn't pay it for several months, and so then they issued a warrant, and now he's arrested. Okay. Yeah, okay. Because he so. is dumb. <laughs> Seriously. An astute observation. Yeah, I don't know. Is, oh, it's really unfortunate because he's so talented at football, but he just makes bad decisions frequently. And it is affecting not only his on-the-field performance when he gets suspended for stuff, but also I think the Giants... Or the Giants. I'm still looking at a picture of Sterling Shepard. The Jaguars, <laughs> uh, you know, perception of him as a player and a person in their organization. And if this kind of stuff keeps up, I can see it being very little time before he's gone from there. And I don't know where else he goes. Yeah, Coughlin cannot be happy with this. He's he's an old school guy. Um, you know, should be following the rules, following, you know, off the field uh, procedures to be a good teammate and a good representative of the organization. So yeah, uh, I feel like he's one or two more strikes away from just being done. And like you said, Okada, it's questionable to see where he lands, especially considering, you know, the 2020 rookie class for running backs is going to be uh, very, very exciting, especially for fantasy football and real NFL football. So if he doesn't get this sorted out, there's a chance he could be, this might sound like a hot take out of the league in like three years. Yeah. I mean, you, you might recall from – it was either like very end of the season or early off season. He actually had his guarantees voided in his contract. So the, the Jaguars were already showing signs that they were not exactly impressed with the overall product that Leonard Fournette is, is giving them. So maybe this that's, is not uh, a, another bad step. Maybe that's why he didn't pay the traffic tickets. Oh, because he didn't have any money. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> that's a good point, Okada. Uh, All right. Well, but, then he's excused. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, all I know is it's a bad step. It's not a good sign for him as a player or as a person. So if there's a suspension coming, I don't know. If the Jaguars cut him, I don't know. We're still kind of up in the air on that. But just something to be aware of for now if you uh, are looking to trade him or trade for him in Dynasty Leagues. Up next, the Patriots have signed tight end Austin Safarian Jenkins to a one-year contract. Kind of a prove-it deal for him. 
He's uh, been bouncing around a little bit from the Jets over to the Jaguars. Um, what do you guys think about uh, Mr. Safarian Jenkins? And will he fill in for the the Grok shoes? Or, or I don't know. How do you feel about that? Uh, I think it depends <laughs> on which which shoes. Is it last year's shoes or his, you Ooh. know, his shoes from when he was an all pro? Because obviously the answer to that is no. No. But yeah, yeah. Anyone catching catching passes in the Patriots offense, especially now, I mean they're they're void of playmakers at this point. You know they've got Julian Edelman, obviously, and James White, uh, Sony Michelle. But outside of that, in the passing game, there's a lot of question marks. So. I think he's at least interesting from a redraft perspective if they don't address the, the position in the draft. If they do at that point, then I'm probably going to be off of ASJ. But um, yeah, certainly interesting as like a back end tight end one. I can see that happening. Not that that's saying much because you only have to catch what, like 40 passes and 500 yards and yeah. six or seven touchdowns and you're a tight end one. But uh, certainly interesting from redraft. Um, th- this is interesting because ASJ has had some hype several times over the course of his career there was a lot of moments where we thought he might be uh, a a tight end one in fantasy long ago like four years ago uh he was drafted early in the second round so there was some justification for that and he was pretty athletic and he's never played more than 13 games and he's only played more than nine games once that Mm. in five seasons how do you even manage that it's not a good look no it's not but (laughs) Being a tight end for the Patriots obviously is a good thing, so he'll at least be a streamer. However, I do fully expect them to draft somebody, and ideally, in my mind, draft someone reasonably high, first or second round, potentially even. Yeah. So if that happens, they could try to you know quickly bring that rookie in, and ASJ might be more complimentary. Yeah, I've said it a few times. This is a great tight end class this year. Um, Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson, Irv Smith, all, all potential Patriots, uh, at the end of the draft here this year. So I would, I would imagine they would be more likely to produce than Austin's very Jenkins. So I agree with you on every front. A couple of quick pieces of news. We'll just fly through here real quick. Bengals running back. Mark Walton, who didn't really do much since he's been drafted, uh, was arrested and then subsequently waived by the Bengals. So he is now a free agent. Joe Mixon just solidifies his role in that backfield. Panthers signed Chris Hogan to a one-year contract. Do either of you guys care? Nay. Not really. Uh, Jets signed Ty Montgomery to a a one-year contract, seemingly to back up Le'Veon Bell. Cool story, bro. Do you guys care? Yeah, great great news there. No, I, I don't think any of those really have too much fantasy impact at this moment. Could be like DFS plays at best, but... Um. Yeah. So, so that's it for the news. Let's go ahead and move on over to Okada's fun fact of the week. All righty, Kent. Okay. So here's what I did this week. Patrick Mahomes. He's obviously the reigning MVP and the number one fantasy anything last year. But I wanted to see what we can expect potentially from him going into next season. So. I pulled up the five highest fantasy finishes of all time by a quarterback. And I l- took a little dive into what they did in that year and then what they did the following year. So you got Mahomes last year. Obviously, we don't know what he's going to do this next year. You've got Peyton Manning in 2013, Aaron Rodgers in 2011, Drew Brees also in 2011. What a year for quarterbacking. And Tom Brady in 2007 when the Patriots went undefeated until the one game that mattered. Um, So... 
what I basically did is I took their fantasy points, yards, touchdowns, and interceptions the following season, looked at the drop-off, and then averaged those out. So here's the average drop-off. A loss of 81 fantasy points, a loss of 450 passing yards, a loss of 12 touchdowns, and a loss of four, or an addition of four interceptions. So that is the average change from these mega fantasy seasons to the following season. And just to clarify, all of those second seasons were still great quarterback fantasy seasons because these guys were all still dominating. But I took those numbers and I slapped them on the Mahomes numbers and I came up with this. So this is this is based off the average elite fall off. So this is what Patrick Mahomes is going to do next year, guaranteed, put it in the bank. <laughs> 4,600 passing yards, 38 touchdowns, 16 interceptions for 335 fantasy points, which would have been the QB4 last season, amazingly. I think he can probably be a little bit better than that, mainly on the interceptions, maybe a couple more touchdowns. But I think the yards is right, and I think that it's going to be a pretty big difference from what we saw last year. Yeah, the the interceptions is it seems high to me. What did he have last year? Do you know? Twelve. Twelve. Okay, so it's actually not that. Yeah. I guess I could have and done the math. I was I was asleep there for a second because you said <laughs> it was a, a plus four. I did. ignore me. And th- um, <laughs> three of the other guys added five interceptions. Only Peyton Manning added less than that. He added two. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean it's it sounds scary when you put it at at the average drop off of what there is, but like you said, you know, still QB four. So. With those numbers in mind, are you guys still taking Mahomes as the top quarterback in your draft? I mean, I'm just not – I just never draft the top quarterback. I mean, that's pretty much the easiest takeaway here is that the price you have to pay to get them is almost never worth what they are, even though they're good. And it, and it feels really weird because, you know, he's what 340 points or whatever you said he'd still be getting. It doesn't matter because the drop-off versus the draft cost – is not as bad as you'd think if you go for a later round quarterback and getting one of those high end running backs or wide receivers. So it it feels bad to pass on him, but he is gonna go high in drafts this year. I'm talking like probably second or third round most of the time. So I don't I don't want to buy a quarterback at that at that point. And and it just happens to be Mahomes this year. And I think Mahomes is gonna be great, but I just won't get him. Yeah, he's he's the new Aaron Rodgers of fantasy football drafts that in your office league, people will take way too early and regret it months down the road. Yeah, and I do have Mahomes one, but Aaron Rodgers for me is going to be the new Aaron Rodgers this season because <laughs> he was he disappeared last year with twenty five touchdowns. What the heck is that? It's average. <laughs> we'll get to this in the quarterback episode. Move on. That's a good point. So. That's going to be next week's episode, but for this week, we're going to be talking about wide receivers. So just like we did with the running backs, we're going to go through our consensus rankings, break it down a little bit, talk about who's high, who's low on everyone, and and why we feel that way. So up first, number one, across the board, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Who wants to tell me why they love DeAndre Hopkins? I'll go for it. Yeah, I'll go for it. Um, (laughs) He's really, really, really good. True. He's got a, <laughs> an established quarterback now again, which you know for a few years was really the knock against DeAndre Hopkins was it was always a question mark of who was going to be throwing the ball. But even in those seasons, you know when it was Tom Savage and God knows who else, 
he was still amazing, and now he gets another season with Deshaun Watson. He's established there as the one. Um, there's not really much to say about it. He provides the perfect floor of what eight or nine catches and. 85 to 100 yards every week and he also has those weeks where he goes 10 for 140 and two touchdowns so uh perfect from fantasy perspective there there's not really much else to say um we all love him agreed yeah uh, and i'll say quick almost nothing is changing in this offense uh minus losing demarius thomas but they didn't really even have him for most of the year last year so that doesn't doesn't even count so i don't see them drafting like a wide receiver to take targets they might get a running back but that's not a big impact so all things staying the same i see his season like last year being almost exactly what i expect this year yeah you guys know what's amazing about deandre hopkins there's a lot but the dude had zero <laughs> drops last year which i mean his hands it, are phenomenal and it's just amazing to watch i, I love watching that guy i believe on 163 targets too i yes. mean that's the huge part i believe he's the only receiver ever with 150 targets and no drops that's nuts. It is. Absolutely insane. So it was pretty easy for us to agree on that one. So let's go ahead and scoot down to number two on the list. Uh, Devontae Adams is coming in at number two. I have him at two. Betts has him at two. And Okada has him at three because he's a hater. So, I'm no, I'm just kidding. One position is not that huge. But Okada, uh, you're a little bit lower on him than us. Why would you well this is i'm trying to not to talk about the next person on the list but exactly go ahead and tell me tell me how you feel about Devonte adams for the 2019 season and don't mention well, the next honestly guy. <laughs> honestly yeah it's it's almost impossible for me to tell you why adams is three without just saying who's two because the only reason he's three is that i like the guy who's two a little bit more i still love Devonte adams uh, he's been rock solid now for a couple years for Aaron Rodgers, and I think Aaron Rodgers had an obscenely down season last year trying to deal with Mike McCarthy's horrific coaching, and that is no longer present. It's going to be Matt LaFleur now, who, regardless of what you can say about his previous offenses, I think has to be a little bit of an upgrade over McCarthy at the least, and just for the fact that he's young and has worked with Sean McVay, which is why he got hired, you have to think he has a little bit more offensive prowess than a much older fellow, to put it nicely, Mike. Uh, so, And besides that, I think that Rodgers is going to have a lot more reign probably to just run the offense or at least have input on the offense uh, at will with full floor in town. So I think that's going to help Rodgers rebound hugely and when that happens all his receivers will come up a little bit and with how good Devontae Adams already was last year you really can't ask for much more than that yeah my explanation is simple there's there's three wide receivers that I would bet on to have double digit or better touchdowns this year my my top two DeAndre Hopkins and Devontae Adams are two of them and my third uh, we'll be talking about here in a little bit so that's why I think he's safe up there with Aaron Rodgers now unchained from McCarthy. Uh, I think it's a good year for him uh, t- touchdown-wise, and he has a, a safe floor of yards too now that he's the lead option. Pretty simple. Moving down to number three on the list, we have Julio Jones, wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons. I have him at four. Okada has him two. So now you can talk about him. And Matthew Betts has him three. So, Okada, tell me why you had Julio at two. Because I love Julio. Uh, Listen, Julio Jones is 
I I think I'm going to have to say the most dominant wide receiver in the NFL still. I think that just when it comes to running a route, getting the ball thrown to you, catching that ball and getting a lot of yards, Julio Jones is the guy that you want because he is a monstrosity and his yardage is obscene. You have to go back to 2013 to find a year that he has not had 1,400 plus yards. It's out of this world. Last year he had 1,677. And of course, the one reason why he has not been higher and probably still isn't two or even one is because of his touchdowns. The touchdowns have been lacking overall for quite some time. However, last season, if you look at first half versus second half, and you guys may not remember this, but if you don't, you should go look at it. It was crazy different story between the two halves. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven straight weeks to start the season. He had zero touchdowns. After that, by game, one, 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 zero, zero, two, one, one, one. That's insane. Were you just speaking in binary or yes. what was that? That, that was, was binary okay. for extremely good wide receiver. <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh, he's, he's going to be somewhere probably in between those two rates, but over the course of a whole season that that could be 9, 10, 11 touchdowns, which is not something he's done for a while, but I believe that he can do it again and the yards is literally the highest floor in the entire NFL. So, I just love the safety and upside combined. Yeah, I mean, there's not much more to say about it, honestly, Okada. He's so, so, so dominant in this league and such a, a fun player to watch and root for. The other thing to, to consider here is, you know, Matt Ryan's been kind of up and down recently. Last year, the quarterback, too, um, kind of surprisingly, actually, in, in fantasy. So the reason I have him at three versus two with Devontae Adams in favor is I expect Rodgers to take a major step forward. I think Matt Ryan comes down to earth a little bit. He's been kind of up and down, and that's really the tiebreaker for me. But at the end of the day, Julio's amazing, and I love him as a top three receiver. Yeah, I mean, I I just don't know if the last um, eight or nine games or whatever it was of the season is his true baseline. You know, I I think that eight touchdown season is is more up Julio's alley just based on how they use him. It's it's been that way for a while now, and I know they have a new OC and that things have been changing, but. Um, you know, I, Muhammad Sanu, uh, Calvin Ridley, still there. That's Those are two good wide receivers to have working with you. And I agree if Matt Ryan regresses at all, uh, it could be not a bad sign, but just I, I don't think Julio would be all-time dominant uh, like we're used to. So, Kenneth, would you like to know the offensive coordinator the one time that Julio Jones did have 10-plus touchdowns? Uh, who was it? Dirk Cutter. The oh, return offensive say. coordinator of the Falcons. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. That's a very good point. I will accept your piece of evidence into questioning. Thank you. Um, I will review it, and I will uh, give you an answer. No, I'm just kidding. That's good. <laughs> um, but the reason that I said earlier that I would not have him up there is because I don't think he is perennial 10 touchdown. I wouldn't bet on it. One person I would bet on is number four on our list. For this season, Odell Beckham Jr. now of the Cleveland Browns. I have him at three, so I'm bringing him up into the four category. Uh, You have him, Okada, at five, and Betts has him at six. So I'll go ahead and real quick tell you why I like Odell Beckham this year. This Browns offense, we've talked about it all the time, how good they've gotten, how how this trade was so good for them, 
The price for Odell was cheap. Uh, he clearly needed to get out of New York. The New York media is terrible. They projected him as a diva. Since he's gone to the Browns, have you guys heard a peep about him being a diva? Negative. I don't think I have. Negative. And what about, let's, let's just say, for a parallel, Antonio Brown. What happened with say, him when he left? It's been hard yeah. to hear anything about Odell because Antonio's been taking up all the news. That's a fair point. However, I, I think the New York media is truly, truly bad and made – Mountains out of molehills when it came to Odell Beckham Jr. I think he's obviously still a super talented wide receiver, and his his emotional problems are really overblown. And I think that with this Browns offense, Baker Mayfield uh, entering his second year after the, his electric rookie season, and even better once uh, Hugh Jackson left, this offense looks great. Uh, I love the wide receivers, the running backs, the tight end, the quarterback. Obviously, the line's good enough to make everything work. I'm excited for Odell in this in this offense, and I think he's like 14 touchdowns this year. That's how I see um, the offense breaking out for them. So I'm very excited for Odell this year. I want to see him with Baker Mayfield. I think that connection could be superb. I'm very excited. It is going to be superb, as you say, Ken. Uh, but <laughs> my, my hesitation here, I guess I'm the hater. I have him at six. Um, still love him, obviously. Great player and, and great situation, but... He goes from being the only option, essentially. We talked about Sterling Shepard. He's a good two. But he was the target hog there, and Eli was targeting him like crazy in his tenure with with the Giants. Now he goes to Cleveland, where Baker, historically, last year, just kind of spread it around a lot more. I don't know that he sees quite the target share that he's used to. But granted, the counter-argument to that is, yeah, it's probably higher quality of target and closer into the end zone. Um, in the red zone and those are obviously valuable in form of touchdowns so uh, I think it kind of negates itself I have him at six like I said love him but a little bit lower than you on him I still think Jarvis Landry's in for a great year and, and I'm still a David and Joku believer so I think that ball just gets spread out a little bit more than uh, it used to in New York so I've said this before and I don't know if I've ever said it on the podcast so I'll say it again having the ball spread around can be bad if the offense is a low offensive play count uh, you know, very slow offense. That's when it really starts to matter. When an offense like the Browns, I think, will be, is high tempo and has a lot of offensive plays, it starts to matter less. You can really get those targets spread out and in high volume to just about everyone uh, and make it work. So even though he will likely see less forced balls this year than he did on the Giants, I, I, think, it, I think it evens out from, like you said, quality and I think the volume is going to be higher as well it for, the, like for what, the offense. It sounds like what you're saying is that chaos is a ladder, Kent. Yeah, um, yeah maybe not in such precise <laughs> words. That's what I heard. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be chaos. trying to work Game of Thrones quotes into the entire episode. Just oh, so you know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. So... Anyway, prospects for Odell Beckham uh, are certainly intriguing in this Browns offense, so we'll we'll be excited to watch him. Let's go ahead and move on down to number five on the list, Mr. Consistency himself, Michael Thomas, uh, top receiver, New Orleans Saints. I have him right at five, Okada six, Betts at four, so we're all kind of right there on him. Not an elite, uh, yeah, I guess he is elite, but not like the top three, but certainly just cemented in that wide receiver one type of role uh bets how about you tell me why you uh you have him at four here so tell me why you like him yeah if you're playing in any sort of ppr format michael thomas is as safe as they come he 
you know, all he does is just catch footballs. And last year, 125 receptions with just, you know, outstanding volume. It's amazing. He's so safe every week. Um, I'm still not a huge Traquan Smith believer. Ted Ginn is another year older. Um, everyone's excited about Jared Cook, but he's been kind of up and down throughout his career. So for me, he's the only reliable option there. And Drew Brees isn't really showing signs of slowing down. So uh, I love Michael Thomas. I think he's as safe as they come. And, you know, if you can get him to pair with a top-tier wide receiver and get him early in the second round, I love that start in your fantasy football draft. So, yeah, give me all the Michael Thomas this year. Yeah, I uh, I think I have Michael Thomas, I don't know, a little higher than I would like to, but I just couldn't bring him any lower. But it his yards per reception does bother me. And I pulled up last year's totals really quick uh, on all of the top 24 wide receivers. So his yards per reception last year was 11.2. The only guys in the top 24 with a lower yards per reception were Stefan Diggs and Julian Edelman. So he wow. makes yeah. his money on a lot of catches, but they're short. And he did score nine touchdowns, so that, that also helped. I just feel like his upside's a little bit capped. I think he's probably one of the safest guys in the entire top 12, so that does help. And maybe that's just why he's sort of right in the middle of our top 12 as opposed to higher. But he's certainly very, 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 very reliable. I was going to say, look, Drew Brees is 40 now, guys. I mean, he's getting <laughs> up there in age. He's It's hard to throw those downfield passes. <laughs> but um, Michael Thomas, like you said, he's, he's super reliable. Last year he had the 85% catch rate on 147 targets, which is incredible. I do have concerns that he will not sustain that, and he will probably drop back down to like what he was in 2017, which was about 70 to 75, which is still really good. Like Most receivers are in the high 60s, so he's obviously got great hands. Um, I, I can see him being like a perennial 1,300 yards and – eight or nine touchdowns, kind of like a Julio Jr.-esque, uh, although Julio's more of a downfield threat. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's super reliable in PPR. He's just not very exciting from week to week, I feel like, and that's why he's, yeah, and, he's in this range. Yeah, no, that's fair. And you said the difference between him and Julio. M- Michael Thomas, average depth of target, 7.6 yards last year, uh, which was bottom 10 in the league so yeah he he wins on volume it's not going to be a big play down the field to uh you know catch a 40-yard touchdown but like I said for me that that safety is just so nice to have and I love him there as, as Drew Brees pretty much only established option yeah that's a fair point um they brought in uh what Jared Cook right to be their new tight end so uh, as far as changes in the offense really not that much and uh, I think he's locked and loaded for his usual his usual workload so Let's go ahead and move down to number six on the list. Juju Smith-Schuster um, jumping up, honestly, from last year to this year, you know, in the wake of Antonio Brown leaving. But I have him ranked seven. Okada has him four, and Betts has him eight. So, Okada, you're going to need to uh, go ahead and let us know why you have Juju Smith-Schuster up at number four this year. Yeah, I for me, Juju feels kind of like the opposite of Michael Thomas in that there's a lot more risk baked in there because we've not, obviously not seen him at all in this role that he's going to be in. Minus, I mean, I guess a couple games where Antonio was out, where he did play well, by the way. But as the number one in this offense, it's going to be it's going to be uh, an awakening, and we'll see how well that awakening goes. But he finished as a wide receiver nine last year with AB there, and he did have a lot of targets, but 
I don't see how that target number doesn't even go up at least a little bit. And that's going to end up really, really high, like 180 maybe. But that's the kind of number I could see him hitting with how much this offense wants to pass, or at least has passed, and how gone Antonio Brown is. And where it really matters, so gone. <laughs> so gone. <laughs> where it really matters is for me is going to be the touchdowns because I think his efficiency on all those targets is going to drop. But he only had seven touchdowns last year because AB led the entire league with fifteen. There is absolutely no way in my mind that Juju does not increase his touchdown total if he plays the whole season. And I would not be surprised, honestly, at all to see him double that touchdown total and easily be in the double digits. So if he has that and 1,500 yards, or even 1,400 yards, which is what he had last year, he's a top-five wide receiver. Yeah, so I like Juju. I think he's, first of all, super awesome person, great, talented wide receiver in the NFL. I think he's a good choice to have as a top option for a team. Connecting with Ben Roethlisberger, that sounds great. I have this sneaking fear in the back of my head that 2019 is the year the Steelers crash and burn. Mm. And it's it's starting to creep up on me. If Ben gets off to a bad start, he could blow up. You know, He's known to be emotionally all over the place as well. If he blows up and just starts giving up on the season, this could be an ugly year for the Steelers. I don't know if I'd bet on that happening, but it's certainly in the realm of possibilities. And if you're committing, we're talking... Probably if you if you have him ranked number four, you're looking like end of the first round for taking Juju. Um, so you're kind of embracing that risk factor, and I don't know if I'm willing to mortgage my first round pick on that yet. Early second, I think I could you know start to convince myself, but that's that's my feeling on the Steelers right now, and I don't know if it's if it's justified or not, but that's it's there. Yeah, and and Ken, that's exactly why I ranked him where I did. Is I have those concerns as well. You know, we, we've seen Big Ben throughout his career just dominate with A.B. in the lineup, and we've talked about it recently on the pod where um, that's changing, obviously, now that A.B. is out of town. Could Juju step up and just replace him and fill right in? Yes, he could, but we just don't know if it's going to happen for sure. Historically, without, you know, A.B., Ben's points are down by about four fantasy points per game, so uh, it's really going to fall down. And I think Okada even mentioned recently that he had him at, like, QB 20 or something like that in his rank, so... Uh, we'll talk about quarterbacks next week in more detail, but uh, I'd be interested to see kind of how that split happens and how uh, no. the quarterback playing that poorly can still support a top four or five. What do you have him, four? No, four? No one else Water is going to catch the ball, but that's how. <laughs> Only Juju. Every reception for Juju. <laughs> I mean, it's it's very possible, super possible this year. So uh, any last words on this, Okada? Defend yourself a little bit from the, the lashing we just gave you? Um, well, I'd just like to say that Juju has impressed me very much with his handling of Antonio Brown and the media debacles of the past couple of weeks. I feel like he's older than he seems. So despite the fact that he's also goofy and plays video games and does flossing in public and things like this. <laughs> so, I don't know. I think he's ready. I so think mature. he's ready to be a wide receiver one. <laughs> All right. Yeah, get out of here, AB. So ridiculous. <laughs> yep. Well, all right. So speaking of baking risk into your choice, I think right now we have to kind of consider the risk of this next person on the list. Coming in at number seven is Tyreek Hill, wide receiver for Kansas City. I have him ranked sixth. Okada has him eighth, and Betts has him fifth. So it seems like right now we all have him ranked as though he's playing the whole season. Is that is that accurate from everyone here? Yep. Um, mm, mine's not. 
Mine's you kind of have that. That's what I figured. Yeah. yeah. I think I have so, just a little bit of fear baked in. It's not even like necessarily missing games. It's just a little bit of concern with Hill's whole situation. Yeah, I mean, so those reports of potential child abuse popped up here in the last couple of months. So I haven't heard anything else on that. I think that's been mostly quiet. We'll probably get some sort of fallout from it over this offseason. But for now, I... Based on what I've seen and heard, I'm going to assume he's playing at least 14 games. I think I could pretty much say that safely. I don't know if that's true or not. But if that's the case, he's he's easily top six for me. He's just such a huge downfield threat. I mean, the connection to Mahomes is huge. We saw it last year, just those ginormous throws. And the perfect guy to catch it is Tyree Kill because he's clearly the fastest player in the NFL right now. And uh, no one's even close. So... I I love watching the huge touchdowns. Um, Okada or or Betts, I don't care. What 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 are your feelings on Tyree Kill and his his stance for this next year? I'd just be interested to hear what Okada thinks about where he would rank him if he was ranking him mm. without the off field concerns. So you have him. What'd you say at eight. Uh, eight number right eight? So where where would you have him if it this wasn't a concern? Uh, he would jump the guy that for me is right ahead of him, who we haven't talked about yet. And he would probably also jump Michael Thomas, and I don't think he would jump Odell. So I think he would end up right around six for me, which is just a couple spots. Yeah, yeah but definitely makes a difference. I mean, if 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 he's there and we know he's there for 16 games as Patrick Mahomes' top option, like Kent said, there really isn't much more else to say about it. The two have a very well-established connection, even though Kata melted our faces with those stats that Mahomes is going to drop off this year. Uh, I'll still take his top receiver and be very, very happy uh, in fantasy football. So, yeah, love Tyreek Hill this year. Yeah, Tyreek Hill, and this is sort of jokingly sort of not, could be my 101 in best ball drafts uh, just for how boom bust he is. So mm. um, maybe, maybe a little bit more hesitant in redraft setting. That's why he's more around six, um, but certainly fun to watch. Coming in at number eight on the wide receiver consensus is Mike Evans, Tampa Bay wide receiver. I have him rated right eight. Okada has him seven, and Betts has him seven. So we're all pretty much in agreement here. Um, it's pretty simple. His game just hasn't changed in the last few years, and I don't think Deshaun Jackson leaving will change that either, and I don't think Godwin stepping up will change that. He's kind of like a jump ball receiver, but he's really good at it. He has a lot of air yards. He catches the ball, and then he falls down. And then some of the times, they're touchdowns. So that's what Mike Evans is. It's what Mike Evans does. And uh, I like him for that, but that's all he is. Yeah, I think Mike Evans somehow is one of the most underrated fantasy players in the entire league at any position because he has been extremely consistent and extremely productive. And yes, we can make fun of his... Uh, inability to get yards after the catch but he without doing any yards after the catch he still manages these great numbers and with Bruce Arians coming in and I think that equaling Jameis Winston taking a step forward I think this could probably I think this could very likely be Evan's best season which would be very 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 good for fantasy so I think that whole offense is going to be great and I really like having a piece of it and this is the best piece yeah, and just to, I'm going to give Mike Evans some love here. I don't think it's his inability to, to do anything after the catch. <laughs> he just has to go up the ladder and jump two feet in the air in order to catch the ball that by the time he lands on the ground, the defenders are right there because Jameis can't throw a freaking accurate pass. There you go. Um, but 
if they can get that figured out, then yeah, he can even add on to his stats. And, and last year, I feel like quietly, like no one really talked about it as much until after the season when we all reflected over 1,500 yards, fifth in the league in receiving. So he's as solid as they come. You know, he's going to finish right around that wide receiver six, seven, eight almost every year. And, and I feel very confident about that again this year. Like you said, Okada with Bruce Arians there, uh, I feel like the sky's the limit. And if he can build on that from what he's done so far in his career, he could sneak into the top five in fantasy drafts. So I like him too from that perspective because I think you're drafting him at his floor and you could potentially be getting a, a receiver to finish even better than that. So yeah, love Mike Evans. Yeah, I mean, he's good. And I just pulled this up from last year. Um, Mike Evans had 83 receptions and he had 239 yards after the catch. Chris Godwin had 59 receptions, much less, and had 257 yards after the catch. So he had more <laughs> than Mike Evans on, you know, about two-thirds of the receptions. It's it's just funny to me. I mean, it's not really that bad because he's good at what he does. And that's pretty much what he is. He's an archetype. So uh, I do like him, but uh, he just lacks that extra step that I think a couple of the wide receivers ahead of him has. That's all. Moving on down to number nine on the list, the new Oakland Raider. We've already talked about him a little bit here. Antonio Brown, uh, I have him ranked 10. Okada, 9. Betts, 9 as well. Again, we're all pretty close on this one. So um, whoever has thoughts on you know why, why you have him ranked where he is and how you see him in the Oakland offense, will Derek Carr be the quarterback? There are questions here. So uh, whoever wants to, go ahead and take it away. Well, I think probably we all have to explain why he's so low because he hasn't been this low for anyone for ages, almost literally. Um, and I guess the main reason really is just that he's changing from Ben Roethlisberger, who he's built up one of the most famous rapports, at least on the field. Obviously, it's a whole question now whether they were actually friends off the field, but who cares? On the field, they had one of the best connections in the entire NFL, and now he's going to Derek Carr, who is okay. I think he's actually a little bit better quarterback than most people give him credit for, but I don't think he's as good as Big Ben. And they're trying to build up a rapport with their cute little Instagram videos and so forth, but I don't think it's <laughs> going to be instant. I think that they're going to struggle to get on the, quite the same page that Big Ben and Brown always were. And he's still going to be good because he's possibly the most talented, one of the most talented receivers in the league. But he's not going to be good enough, in my opinion, to be top five on that team in that offense. It's just not Pittsburgh. And that drops him down. Yeah. And the, the other thing that's kind of the <clears throat> consideration for me here was, as of yesterday, I had him at eight. But I thought about it a little bit more. And because he's so mean to Juju, I had to move him down at least one spot. So now he's at nine. That's that's my defense of the ranking there. Uh, but yeah, that's that's really it. Okada is just the question marks. We've seen him dominate in Pittsburgh. Can he do it with Derek Carr in Oakland? If he can, you know, he's he's still going to be really solid in fantasy. But the touchdown upside because of the offense and not being quite as prolific as the Pittsburgh offense was, I think will limit him and not let him be the top three option that he's been almost every year. So that's where I have him, and that's why. Yeah. I agree. QB downgrade, offense downgrade. Um, I think he's still in line to get a pretty good chunk of targets. I just don't know if he'll be able to be as efficient as he was with the Steelers. 
He's going to be 31, I think, when the season starts, if my math is correct. I haven't looked at his birthday, but uh, I'll make sure to buy him something nice. But anyway, he's you know he's getting up there in age, and I know Julio is too. Uh, another guy we'll talk about later on this list is also above 30. So there's a couple that are getting up there in age, but um, I think Antonio Brown is kind of in the worst situation. That's why he's my third-ranked 30-plus wide receiver on this list. Hint, hint. Hmm. Oh, okay. I think you should buy him a book of manners, Kent. Manners? Yeah. yeah he needs it. He needs that. He, he does need it. it. His his campaign across social media has been questionable at best. So, um, anyway, uh, we kind of have to wait and see a little bit what he's going to be in the Oakland offense. It's, it's certainly interesting. So, we'll move on down to number 10 on the list, and that is going to be Chargers wide receiver Keenan Allen. Uh, another model of consist- uh, consistency, I would say. Uh, for the most part, and I have him ranked 13, so actually outside the wide receiver one category, just barely, our first one so far. And then Okada has him 10, bets at 12. So I'll, I'll, real quick, I'll just say I don't I don't dislike Keenan Allen, but he's never really felt like a wide receiver one to me, if that makes sense. He's kind of similar to Michael Thomas, except um, a mini version where he's just he doesn't have super huge weeks. And he never really wins you a week. He has solid performances pretty commonly, but he just never feels dominant. And uh, that's why I don't think he's quite a wide receiver one in my eyes going into this year. Yeah, I think a mini Michael Thomas is kind of a good moniker for him. Uh, he He's had two straight seasons now of 16 games, which if we all remember back a little bit, which most people probably do, he was the ultimate quote-unquote injury-prone guy, which I'm sure gives Bet some tingles of hate. Uh, oh, fuming over here. Fuming. <laughs> In fact, I can specifically remember Betts' article leading into 2017 of why he was not injury-prone. And then there he went and played 16 That's games, right. and then he did it again. And over those two years, he's averaged 1,300 yards, and he scored six touchdowns both years. And the lack of touchdowns is kind of what leaves him where he is and is why he's right on the border there of wide receiver one range because his catches and yards are truly elite, but he never seems to get quite up into that double-digit touchdown range or even really close to it. Um, so this is ex- I think this is exactly where he belongs. I think anyone who puts him higher than this is mistaken and anyone puts him lower than this is mistaken this is the exact range where he's gonna be if he plays the whole season and it's very reliable yeah well said okada because i think the touchdown upside or lack thereof i should say is really what keeps him right there but yards receptions um his teammate who we're going to talk about here in a bit mike williams um i love in the red zone and i think that philip rivers does too so if those touchdowns keep going to him there's no way that keenan can really sneak up into that top five range or mid mid range wide receiver one range i think he's perfect where we have him and we're awesome because we all have him in the same spot not to mention melvin gordon and austin eckler both very good at finding the end zone themselves so uh, a lot of people on that offense that can score, and I think that's a big limiting factor for Keenan Allen. Um, so that's why he is where he is, kind of that tail end wide receiver one category. But moving on down to number 11 on the list, this is the third wide receiver that is 30 or older. It is A.J. Green, and I myself have drug him onto the top 12 consensus because I have him at 9, Okada has him at 14, and Betts has him at 13. So you both view A.J. Green – as a wide receiver too. And that might be for some reasons or other, but 
Uh, real quick, I'll tell you why I like him. Last year, he only played. I think it was. I think it was actually eight games that he actually played. Um, seven of which, no, it was it was nine. I'm sorry, I'm going off the top of my head of this. I think he played nine, nine, games. But, nine, nine games. but only really played in eight. The last one he got injured and went out. So yep. looking at the first eight weeks of the season, he was the wide receiver um, seven. And so I have him at nine. I think that is saying I believe he will have the same role in this offense. Tyler Boyd was there. He was producing the entire time. Joe Mixon was there. He was producing the entire time. Andy Dalton is likely to return as their quarterback. Their offensive line, I think, could improve from last year. We'll see on that. But I don't really see much changing here, and I, I don't think I would bank on him going out again. He had that toe injury where he, I believe he had severed tendons. Is that is that accurate? Or it was like an injured tendon? And uh, He had torn ligaments that he had to have repaired. Ligaments. Uh, in the yeah. Close enough. One, enough. Of, one of those Tendon crazy medical toes, words. Muscles, yeah, all that one stuff. of those crazy medical words. That's why we keep bets around. Um, no, I'm just <laughs> kidding. But uh, he he's already shed the walking boot. I think it was two months ago. Now he got rid of the walking boot. They said he's likely to be participating in off season stuff and in training camp. He should be fine. Is what it's sounding like right now. So I'm not really worried about that injury returning. Bets might have other thoughts on that. But as far as talent goes, uh, he's a top. 10 wide receiver for me, no question. And so the likelihood that he plays, let's say, like 14 or more games to me is is the breaking point. I th- and I think we might disagree here, but I, I can see him returning to play a near full slate. Bets, take it away. Yeah, and, and I have him ranked where I do, mostly because of concern about his injury. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think he is probably going to be a player who doesn't play 16 games, and I think it's because of that foot and toe. Yeah, he's going to be ready for week one. Yes, he's going to be fine for training camp. But for wide receivers, recurring toe injuries are bad news because when you have to push off at the line of scrimmage, you know, they line up with their back foot basically in a maximum kind of flex position where they're pushing off the toe. So those repaired ligaments are going to be getting stressed every step he takes and every every snap. So um, I have concerns about that. But from a talent perspective, I can't argue at all. I mean, he's been dominant in this league and always a top 10 option when he's healthy. So if he can stay healthy, he's going to be a, a value in drafts this year because people are really burned by A.J. Green from what he did last year from injury. Uh, and you can get him. I mean, I got him the other day in a best ball draft, and I think the fourth round, the early wow. fourth round, which is really? absurd. So I like him for his draft price, but I'm still hesitant that he plays a full 16 games. So sure. my my ranking is also entirely based off of this. So Bets, I, w- I would like to hear your projected games for A.J. Green. That's tough because if if a, a toe injury does pop up, it's not going to be one of those scenarios where he's probably out for a few and then back for a few and then out for a few and back. I think it's, it's one of those things that if he injures it, he's going to be done for the year. So that could be six games. It could be nine games. He could play a full 16. So I'm going to take the cheap answer and say it's, it's really hard to predict that I, I don't know to be honest this is very not helpful <laughs> yeah sorry man that's a great <laughs> great cop-out answer i love it no um so it it, it kind of depends on how many games he plays and, and that's i think seems to be the main disagreement there and we can all agree he's talented so it'd be nice to see him have another resurgence season there's also a word that he might get traded very light rumors of that um that would obviously shake things up depending on where he goes so um take that with a grain of salt 
Let's move on down to number 12 on our list, the consensus top 12 wide receivers. Uh, This might not reflect exactly on the website at the moment. I believe it's just not updated properly on Fantasy Pros. But Adam Thielen, we just recently this morning moved up into the top 12 because I have him ranked 14, Okada has him 13, and Betts has him 10. I love Adam Thielen. We all know this. Um, Betts, you're the one who has him the highest, so I want you to sell me on why Adam Thielen is a wide receiver one this year. Yeah, like you said, I just moved him up today, and it was it was on the back of that extension that he just signed. I mean, <clears throat> he's he's always so good and so dominant for that, that offense, um, so underrated in his first couple of years in the league, and, and obviously now he gets rewarded with that contract. So that's why I bumped up a little bit. I think it shows the way that they view him and the way that they want to use him. And I think that when you look at his season last year, it really was a tale of two different seasons literally the first eight games the wide receiver won he was dominant the last eight games eh, not so much he he was he was quite quite average i'll say actually um but i think the cream rises at the top and and he's going to be uh rock solid there as a back end tight end or excuse me wide receiver one um and i i love him so I'm going to go ahead and slide Adam Thielen up into my top 10 because I think that's that the first half of the year is really what he is. He's not the second half of the year player. I think that's a fluke. Um, Kenneth, do you remember when Stefanski took over, perchance? Yes, I do. When was it? Oh, I, oh I'm sorry. I thought you meant like, do I remember <laughs> it happening? Yes, I do. Oh, uh, no. It occurred. I, I, I want to say that was week like eight or nine maybe ten mm. that's off the top of my head stop camp that doesn't help my argument <laughs> so listen i don't know how much the offensive coordinator necessarily affects what receivers get the ball because i feel like to a degree that boils down to what uh the quarterback in this case kirk cousin wants to do with it however you are going to design and call plays with a wide receiver one a first read and then a second read etc and I think that there's a little bit of a correlation between when Stefanski came in and when they kind of changed up that offense. Dalvin Cook started getting a lot more work. Uh-oh, Kent's going to tell me I'm wrong. No, I was wrong. Um, it was actually week 14. I was a little early on okay. that. It was after the loss to the Seahawks. So, ha! Uh, Get out of here, Kata. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, well, you know what? I still believe it. I think that Stefanski <laughs> and the new system, for some reason, is going to favor Diggs a little bit more. Well, also, I just like Diggs more. And to be fair, I have... Thielen only one spot behind Diggs in my rankings, so they're right there with each other, but I've always been a Diggs truther, and I will be again this year, and they're both really, 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 really solid. Look, you guys know I watch the Vikings, so I'll tell you, for when I see them play on the field, I think both, first of all, both receivers are insanely talented. I mean, finding Adam Thielen uh, as an undrafted guy, local, is a great story, Uh, super good job by them. He's a Really hard worker, really talented as well. But Stefan Diggs has an extra step of natural talent to him. Uh, you can see it when he plays. He his I think his route running is possibly top three in the NFL. I mean, he is seriously an insane technical route runner, and it's so fun to watch. I, I recommend you take a look at some, some Diggs film and watch his routes sometime because it's super, super interesting stuff. But he, he's ahead of him for me. I think I have him right next to each other right now. I'd have to check that. Um, for sure, but they're both they're both up there. They're both fringe wide receiver one, wide receiver two type guys. So I love them both. All right, I have an, I have another attempt, Betts. How about this? 
Kirk comes in, he and Thielen hit it off. You know, he happened to be there for the first dinner, and Diggs wasn't there, so that they thought they were best friends. But then over the year, Cousins realized he likes Diggs more, and so he started throwing him the ball more. Which I don't know nope, how much the whole it. friend side of that story is true, <laughs> but it's interesting that as Cousins fit more and more and more into the system, that he swung away from Thielen and towards Diggs. I don't think, honestly, the, this year is going to be anywhere near at either half of last year in its extremity, if that makes sense. So I think both guys will be good all year. Um, and I don't think you're really going to go wrong drafting either one. Agreed. All right. So that was our top 12 wide receiver consensus rankings. Let's talk about a couple of guys outside the top 12. And, and we're looking at discrepancies here. So players that we are either high or low on compared to the other two. So up first, we're going to talk about Mike Williams. Betts uh, hinted at it earlier. Betts has him 27. I have him 31, and Okada has him way up at 18. So Okada, give me a real quick breakdown of why you think Mike Williams can uh, be a mid-wide receiver two this year. Yeah, um, the touchdowns, Kenneth. That's number one by far. He had have 10 I, have, touchdowns. 10. Have I ever told you guys that I hate the, the name Kenneth? <laughs> Like, yes, like I yes, really you have it. told us that. <laughs> it's going to keep coming. It was coming, not a worry. wise thing to tell me because now it just makes it worse. <laughs> That's um, a good point. Listen, he, he had double-digit touchdowns last year. He was one of very few receivers to do that. He also averaged 15.4 yards per reception. So he is going to be very efficient. And he did all that on only 66 targets. And I don't think that there's any chance that his targets remain that low this year based off how good he was last year. Based off the fact that Tyrell Williams is gone, Hunter Henry will be back. So if Hunter Henry wasn't back, I might have Mike Williams even higher. But I don't think that's going to limit him too much. I think that there's plenty of offensive firepower and quarterback skill on this team to support two great receivers and a very solid tight end. So I love Mike Williams' talent. I love his opportunity. I think his target's maybe 50% increase, maybe more, uh, off of last year. And double-digit touchdowns again with his efficiency. I love it. Yeah, and what's, what's funny about that, Okada, is I read the show doc wrong. And so I, for some reason, I thought I had him that high. And I was like, man, I don't remember doing that. But I guess that's true. So I started writing down all these stats because I was like, crap, I got to defend this. Um, and so uh, I probably will actually move him up a little bit because in doing some of the research that you just presented, I love him, man, After after hearing that and after researching it. I don't see how he doesn't have nine to twelve touchdowns. I think it's, I think it's guaranteed. I think he's almost like Kent said. There's three wide receivers who you know are going to have double digit. I think he's the fourth this year. Yeah. So the reason I'm lower on Michael Tom or Michael Thomas, Mike Williams. I don't know why I said that. Anyway, uh, the reason I'm lower on him is because I like I like wide receivers that can get touchdowns. I I start to not like wide receivers that are touchdown reliant. And I think Mike Williams could start to border on that category. And honestly, when I get to the mid-range wide receivers, there are just a ton of names that I love this year. I mean, it's super deep, it feels like to me. So I kind of kept bumping other people up rather than Mike Williams down. And that's really what happened. But, you know, last year he had, uh, I want to say it was nine games with uh, three or less receptions. Uh, never hit double-digit targets uh, during the regular season. Uh it he's going to have lows, and I think even if he does get a target increase, that there's there's going to be some lows that burn you. And if I'm looking at a wide receiver too, like he's a guy I need to rely on, I'm I'm a little skeptical about that. So that's why I have him where I do. 
Let's move on down to the next guy on the discrepancy list. This is Chris Godwin. Uh, we talked a little bit earlier about Mike Evans and his role in the Tampa Bay offense now that uh, Deshaun Jackson's gone. But this guy stands to benefit too. So I have him ranked 21. Okada has him 21. We are high-fiving best friends on this one. And then Betts has him at 30, and he's a pooper. No, I'm just kidding. Why Why are you lower on Chris Godwin than uh, than we are? This is the second straight week you guys have called me the pooper. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I just picked him randomly and it just ended up being that way again. So, Oh, man. That's not a good nickname. Anyway, uh, (laughs) Chris Godwin, the hype is out of control with this guy, mostly led by you two fools. Hmm. Um, So I'm here to, to get it back on track. I do think, granted, I think 30 is a little low, so I'm probably going to move him up a few spots, but still not quite as high on him this this season going into it yet. And the reason I say yet is because I'm not convinced that the <clears throat> the depth chart there for Tampa looks the way it does as of week one for this season. They right now have Justin Watson, who's um, a second-year player who didn't play much at all last year as their other receiver, so their, their third wide receiver. I think that Godwin's going to at least be the wide receiver three. When you look at historically what Bruce Arians offense has done most recently with the Cardinals, when they had three really, really solid options, they had Larry Fitzgerald, obviously this is in 2016, by the way, uh, Michael Floyd and John Brown. And there was any given week where one guy could be dominant and one guy could just be so, so, um, and actually going back and looking that at those stats, 33 receptions for Floyd, 39 for Brown, 34 for JJ Nelson, and then fits with 107. So I think this offense is going to have one solid guy. I don't see how it's not Mike Evans. Um, I think that Godwin's going to have very, very good weeks. I also think there's going to be some weeks where he doesn't have quite as great of, of a week and, and he'll kind of burn you. So that's where I have him. And, and that's why I will say though, with a caveat, if they don't draft a wide receiver this year, then he's going to skyrocket up for me and he'll be in the top 24. So I'm a little hesitant right now, but he's going to get up there if things don't change. That's fair. And, you know, he finished last year as wide receiver 24 in half PPR, and, you know, we have him at 21. So I think that's, you know, just a little bump considering that Deshaun Jackson is gone now. So I could see him going higher than that. If if they don't draft a wide receiver, I'd probably move him up as well. Um, I just think that Jameis has the tendency to sling it, and the offensive coordinator may or may not factor into that. So... Um, we'll see. And, uh, you make some good points though. Thank you, Kenneth. Oh God. All right. I shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> you did call him uh, Cooper. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I deserve that's it. That's a very Which fair comeback. Oh God. Thank you. That's fair. Um, what do you mean? Everyone poops. Didn't you read the book? Anyway, <laughs> um, the last discrepancy on the list is Sammy Watkins. Uh, I'm higher than you guys on him. I am at 25. Okada has him 36 and bets at 32. So I'll go ahead and defend myself a little bit here. Watkins last year was really good when he played. Uh, he had he had nine games, and then he left in the 10th game due to injury. He did end up coming back for the, uh, the, the championship game against the Patriots, in which he went, what was it, like uh, four of eight for 114 yards in that championship game AFC. And so... I, I think he's still talented. I, I'm, I've been a proponent of his talent for a long time now, and I think he's a great wide receiver, too, to pair with Tyreek Hill. And I think if he plays most of his games this year, he's 
easily mid-wide receiver two range. I have him ranked outside that. I have him at 25. And so I think if he has a full season at that production level, he could he could get 10 touchdowns and you know maybe 1,000 yards or so and be right in that pack and, and have no problem doing it considering it's Pat Mahomes offense and Andy Reid offense. It's it's high flying and uh he he's got a piece of it. So Yeah, but didn't you hear Ken at the start of the show kind of told us Mahomes is going to be terrible this year. Mm. Oh, super terrible. Big <laughs> yeah, facts. What, way down at quarterback 4. What what a bad quarterback. <laughs> yeah, for me for me Watkins is just a question mark because of of health really. Um <clears throat> if he can stay on the field, obviously like you said, great situation. I would love to have any of, of Pat Mahomes' pass catchers. So if he can stay on the field, I think he'll be an absolute steal this year if you can get him late in drafts. And and the reason that I was kind of off of him a little bit last year entering the season was because his draft price was starting to sneak up a little bit higher than I would have liked it. So if you can get him, you know, probably this year. I haven't looked at the ADP. Obviously not many people are drafting right now. But if you can get him after round eight or nine, I'd be love, loving having Sammy Watkins as my wide receiver three or four. Yeah, you bring up a great point because he's he's in the seventh round right now. Going, uh, let's see, I'd have to break this down by wide receiver. Uh, Okada, you can talk about him for a second. I'll figure out what wide receiver number he is. Well, I would say, to me, I feel like the seventh round is kind of where he belongs. I think anything higher than that, you're expecting a surefire wide receiver two. And anything lower than that, you're shooting darts. And Watkins is an odd mix of both because when he is on the field, he's usually pretty good. Um, but he's never always on the field, <laughs> if that grammar works out. Um, so <laughs> <That> checks out. <laughs> uh, we'll see if he can get up to 15 or 14 games this year instead of 10 or lower, as it has been for some time. And we'll also see what happens with Tyreek Hill, obviously. Uh, if he were to be out, that would be massive for Sammy Watkins. But assuming he's there, which is kind of how we mostly ranked Tyreek Hill, I... I just don't think Watkins quite has the upside. I think Travis Kelsey is by far the the number two target on that team, if in some respects not the number one target with Tyreek Hill being the 1B. Uh, and Watkins is kind of the three to those two guys. So I I think I could maybe bring him up a little bit, potentially depending on how things go, but I don't think for me he's a wide receiver too. All right, well, that's going to go ahead and wrap up the show, talking about wide receivers, uh, the consensus wide receiver top 12 for the red shirts, and then a couple of discrepancies outside that range. Uh, thank you for listening to today's episode. Hopefully you'll be tuning into Game of Thrones tomorrow night. I know I will be uh, bam, bam, watching bam, those, bam, bam. those dragons. I'm so pumped. Okay. Um, but that's going to be it for today's episode. You can check out the next episode, which is going to be quarterbacks, I believe, and tight ends. We'll sort that out somewhere along the way. Uh, but make sure you check out RedshirtsFantasyFootball.com. You can find our up-to-date rankings, all those articles I was talking about in the beginning of the show, and uh, all that other great content. So uh, thank you for listening to today's episode, and once again, we are the Redshirts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Redshirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedshirtsFFPod, and check out our website, RedshirtsFantasyFootball.com.